Here's the thing, though. Uh, so React, on the one hand, has been fairly fearless about introducing quote-unquote breaking changes. But on the, at the same time, they've usually been very effective in, at introducing my, a very um, comfortable migration paths. And for example, if I'm looking at Next.js, um, you know, they did not do away with the pages folder. They, you you can have an, both an apps folder and a pages folder. And just, you know, to clarify for those who are not familiar with the nomenclature, uh, pages is the old way of doing things. It's, uh, it's, you know, without server components. And apps are the new way with uh, React server components. And, you know, to make a long story short, it's more complicated than that, but that's the gist of it. So, you can migrate piecemeal. Now, I do agree that once you've embraced, you've decided to embrace React server components, that a lot of your existing, you know, ways of doing things don't really make sense uh, anymore. Uh, or, you know, you gave examples of, of using, you know, 10-stack query, for example, and you probably don't want to do that. If you've embraced, yeah, that the, one I can see the React server right. components. Yeah, way. you probably don't need. Well, you may not need that. Yeah, is and that's fine. And you may use server actions and things like that. But I mean, I'm talking about like, I, I and that that I think is not that big of a deal. It's it's the abandoning MUI. Like I, 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 there's a lot of folks out there who they've invested a lot of time in understanding MUI or Chakra or whatever or Ant D. And those, or just a raw emo, emotion generally. And what do you do? I mean, they, their basic suggestion is, hey, use Tailwind. And that is a big change. Yeah, that's, that's a huge change. That, that's from that's true. Tailwind? Uh, Yo. By the way, go CSS. And I know it's CSS, guys. And I know it's like, ah, but like, who cares? But no, that's actually for real. No, for I like understand what you're saying. I'm saying don't, front -end devs. you don't have to use Tailwind. You don't have to use MUI. You could just use CSS. Uh, and that tends to always work. Well, yeah, you could use CSS modules. Right, but that's what, that, but that man, that is not a that's not a casual migration. No, for sure. If I'm using MUI in my pages it's, directory, and, it's, and, and then I'm going, it's beyond that. It's beyond that. I told the team, uh, the, our our public site team, who are using React. I told first of all, I told them hold off of, of server components for another six months. Uh, oh, easy. Yeah, at least for it to stabilize and, and stuff, uh, stuff like that. Like the whole mutation story is, is totally still in flux and, and, and whatnot. Um, State management story. Yeah, so yeah so ex so exactly. Um, but I also told them that when you do decide to embrace it, first of all, do it piecemeal as much as you can. You know, pick one of the parts. Like, for example, pick the blog part of our website and just do it to begin with and see what the experience feels like. But take into account that you're not, it's not only about replacing certain things like, like you just mentioned. It's also about a new way of architecting and thinking about how you write the React application. It's almost a, a, a totally new yeah. framework. The big difference versus something like switching over to Solid or Quick is that you still can do it more piecemeal than you can with, with those. 
Like with Quick, you do have the ability. I disagree in the case of Solid. I I agree in the case of Quick. Why do you disagree in the case of Solid? Because I, I, you can embed Solid, and I've seen this. You can embed Solid inside of React, and you can and embed, okay. by the way, React inside of Quick. Uh, so you can actually move. You can react quick. Yes, you can embed React inside of Quick, but the converse is not true. Yes, you can't get the best of Quick if if you start with React, right? But and I think that's for a lot of folks. That's a huge migration difference, right? You know, I'm going to go and take this one little like whatever you know carousel, whatever. I'm going to go implement that in Solid and see how it goes, right? That's a big difference from I want to do the same thing. I want to go and yeah, implement this, my, my this, this recommendation by Quick. It's like, no, you have to go and take your entire app, port it into your Quick app, and then then you can make your carousel. What I would, <laughs> what I would actually do, by the way, is split uh, vertically, not horizontally, and basically move certain pages mm, yeah. completely over to the to the other framework. I mean, maybe use some components, but um, starting to embed um, uh, solid components inside React sounds a bit scary to me. I have to say, uh, maybe maybe if, it's not. Maybe if I'm using I mean, maybe really, if I'm it. using Astro with the islands and have some islands work like this and some other islands work like that, I, I totally get that it works. I'm not talking from the perspective of scary as in it'll break. I'm, I'm talking scary as in you, you're, you're juggling too many things that look really similar but are actually totally different. And, uh, and it's, diff- it's so easy fair, to, to get fair. into you know, trouble this way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is JSX, right? What, what's that? Yeah. Is that? Is it by default the React JSX or is it the, the solid JSX? I mean, one thing I, I would recommend if you're going to try any of this is basically go to a monorepo first start extracting big pieces of your app into into shared libraries right factor it nicely and then if you if then then you got a lot of portability options you could go and embed you could go and take those components and move them into another version of react another version of next or quick or whatever that's what sort of thing but why you got more options why mono repo huh? why why not use git submodules i mean oh, my, I my thing yeah, is yeah, yeah. i want to have I want to I have know, the version be meaningful. Okay, fair enough. I, actually, I, I don't see how they, you don't get that with Monorepo, but I, I think either of those... Well, I guess you, you it's, can't it's get the logical boundaries that are interesting to me. It's not, not the necessarily the, the, the specific mechanics. Well, the, the, the problem I have with Monorepo is you get tag becomes useless. Something that is, that is basically fundamental to every workflow I've ever had sure. throw out the window, and I don't, I don't understand how you're supposed to repair that. Oh, like, what's the alternative once you've thrown away Git tag? Right. Okay. So cool. As long as we're talking about libraries, as long as we're turn- talking about externalizing li- into libraries, whether you use Git submodules as your modus operandi for that, or whether you use a monorepo, really just you know dealer's choice on that one. But how how can you use it in a monorepo if you if you don't have Git tags? Like that. That's this. This is the thing. So if I have four libraries that I want to export, I can only use one git tag. I can't git tag. That ha- there's no you can't say I want to git tag this folder. You do you you git tag and that's it. Git tag is for the repository. That's I mean that's like how how do you get past that? What is the solution to that? As far as I know, 
So Turbo Repo and NX, which are the kind of two big ones in this space, right? They can look at a particular version and say that this, as long as you're doing your versions properly in the package JSONs and you're actually like, but that should come as from if they're the Git externalized. Tag. Git tag should influence package.json, not the that, so okay. Oh yeah, I, I I guess okay. So fine. Take let's just take. Let's just say we want to use uh, get submodules, right? The point is that we want to go and externalize. We're going to take. We want to put a boundary between the framework choice, like the meta framework choice, like Next.js or Quick or, or, or that sort of thing, and our sort of business logic implementation. In components or whatever, and so yeah, you can move that, that mm. get some module or whatever. These days, by the way, I'm, I'd be inclined to move as much of the business logic to the back end in one way or another. But to but mm, to sure. but to be honest, by the way, it, just an interesting story. You know what we used to do at Wix with these sorts of things, and I'm talking about really big applications. There, we would rewrite mm. them from scratch. Mm. At Wix, literally, like. I was at Wix seven years, and we rewrote our core application from scratch. Depends how you count it, but either two or three times during that period of time. Cool. And how many devs did you have? Lots. <laughs> but the but the right. but, and but the enough core, to actually no, but, keep your your main yeah, stuff but here's you the know, thing. incrementing at the time that you're actually building the no, new but, stuff and that's the trick. No, but what we really had which made the difference we had a core team a core group of something like 10 super experienced very knowledgeable uh, developers who've been with the company for a long time and knew the code inside and out. So that really made a huge difference. And we had, mm-hmm. and we had uh, 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 the, 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 the project architect literally knew the entire source code by heart, which was insane. Mm. You, that, yeah, it's been a long time since I've done that. I, well, actually, I think I know my entire code base that I'm working on now by heart, but it's not that, that big. No, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of lines of code. That's nuts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You would ask him like this function, what, you know, where, what, what does it do? Oh no. What's the name of the function that does X? And he would, oh, it's, yeah, that was pretty insane. Um, Yeah. Look, it's, it's, you know, there's a reason that people hate rewrites, but sometimes you really need to bite the bullet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes, uh, uh, this the 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 slow migration, and, and by the way, at, at at next, like I said, we did something interesting. We that that transition from WordPress to to React, sorry, with uh, with Next.js. Like I said, the, the data stayed put, but uh, right. but the entire code was rewritten from scratch, and and mm-hmm. again, we did it by vertically splitting. So we looked at different segments, and we so we migrated the blog, and then we migrated right. uh, the FAQ, and then we might. So, so that's the way that that uh, we dealt with. It. So we kept yeah. on, and in each one of those, you're you're basically cleaving off not just the specific piece of functionality, but also <sighs> solving a lot of the little issues along the way, like 
okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you take the smallest example, like the the, the FAC, and it's like, okay, this actually, this involves hitting the back end CMS or whatever. To, you know, actually, the the biggest, the the most significant constraint in all these cases was to have a really good, strong set of end to end tests mm-hmm. and make sure that they always pass. You're, the mm-hmm. first version does not try to improve the UI or the functionality. It might improve performance or other stuff on the inside. I don't know, the security model. But it's, but it's right. not going to touch anything in the actual UX of, of the application. That would be right. done afterwards. After you've successfully yeah. migrated, you maintain a backlog of the things you want to fix, and then you, you fix them. But the, the first version... You port bugs and all. Yeah, the first version is port bugs and all. In terms of UX yeah. bugs. Yeah. What I meant was, uh, you, when I think about like how... You know, during these migrations, there's always some unknowns. Like, how are we going to go and get the data? How are we going to go mutate the data or whatever? You know, that sort of thing. And, and I, when you think about the different parts of the application, some parts stress the whole... Back, it st- stress a lot. And other others you know, are pr- pretty lightweight, you know, in their connection to the back end. And so you start with the ones that are more lightweight because that's easier to port, I, w- I would think. But it, it, that con- that approach of using uh, I, that, the, the two companies that I worked, that are, you know, Next Insurance and Wix before that, each did it independently, but they both used this approach. And in both cases, it worked. Have a strong nice. s- set of end-to-end tests. Oh, EDE test, yeah. And just and then, make sure that they keep on working throughout the migration process. Yeah. And, and, and don't fall into the trap of, of if we're migrating, let's also, you know... Upgrade at the same exactly. time. Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally agree. And also, make sure that management and product are... On you know, on are, are, have bought in that they don't uh, that they don't expect, uh, let's say, new features uh, during the you know key migration phases. Right. Or if they do, then both teams are talking. Then you got one team that's that's doing the newer features, and then yeah, the and even that has a significant and, cost. And that gets hairy. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It slows everybody down. It slows both things down, but it, it, sometimes that's not an option. Oh yeah, we're living in we're living in the real world. If there's an important <laughs> business case, then yeah. you know you deal with it. But yeah. but there but just make sure that they understand that there's going to be a price to pay and and uh, and and consequences to to such changes. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it also means like pitching things in a way as this is a, a really good engineering skill actually would be it, to learn how to pitch changing your platform or whatever but you know whatever kind of technical change you want to make learn how to pitch it not just to engineers but how to pitch it to managers how to pitch it to product managers how to pitch it to product by, by the way from my experience so in many ca- learn those kind of communications yeah but in many cases at the end of the day and, and by the way that's something that alex russell kind of ra- rails against uh, is the fact that they, they can be suckers. Uh, if if you're going to if you're going to pitch a technical thing with conviction, there's a good chance that you can get management buy-in because at the end of the day they trust the, the engineers to make the technical decisions. 
Now, you know, the good ones, you know, ask about the the costs, the risks, the whatnot. But but at the end of the day, if you say, yeah, this is the, you know, the, the way that we're currently using is a dead end, blah, 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 and that's the way we need to go, you'll probably get buy-in. But that's that's actually making business level points. If it is a dead end, right? What you're saying is we can't deliver on on the capabilities you want, and this new platform will allow us to deliver on those the capabilities that you want. And you're just putting that in business terms as opposed to like raw technical. Oh yeah, terms. for sure. Although to be honest, yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, there is no real dead end. It's just the the the, the, co- the yeah, cost. It's just a question of the, the cost, cost right, keeps exactly. going up. But there's but right. but yeah. So and then it becomes a question again of when to bite the bullet. Uh, so right. your basic, but going back to that point, and I think that would be probably the point that we wrap up on. So you're saying that. Um, what you're saying is that there's a lot, and, and again, you do a lot of training. I, I'm assuming you engage with a lot of these companies that are looking at these technologies and, and thinking about them. You're saying that you are seeing a lot of pushback against React mm-hmm. server components. Definitely. Yeah, there are folks on the, on the front lines who don't understand what, what the value is at all. And as I say, there, there's a larger contingent than we would have thought of, of client-side rendering folks who are like, yeah, this doesn't advantage me at all. And I don't totally agree with that, by the way. Are significant. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, because React Server Components, from again, from what I understand, speaking with Dan and also listening to some of the other content, the main goal is not so much about SSR and and avoiding hydration, those are like, you know, benefits, but they're almost side okay. benefits. The, the the big goal, which you know, you can ask why React is trying to achieve this, but that's what they are trying to achieve, is about how to better manage uh, data flow from the back end mm. to the front end, and from the front end to the back end. Uh, they talk about. The, co- the componentization of, of, you know, the data and state management. So, so it's really about writing the React server components as the things that access the backend microservices and the database. Right. And then all the data from that point on flow trickling down as props uh, from the server right. to the client and then right. the data, and at the point when it hits the client, then you get the, the then you get the frosting of the props and and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then and then the other way around again, uh, the data bubbling up via function calls. So uh, if you right, server. So actions. these are the server actions. Yeah, which are effectively just you know effectively just functions. Uh, and, and essentially just APIs, right? Well, they, they, they are, they're RPCs, they're implemented over an API, but, but it's not like you're not explicitly running, writing the gets and the puts, uh, or the posts actually, sorry, you're, you're calling a function. Uh, so you're getting a lot of these micro APIs and a lot of coupling, but what do you care? Because you're writing the backend and the frontend code at the same time. So coupling is less of an issue. Uh, but that's what I 
think that they're trying to push. Now, it's an interesting question of why they're trying to push this. I mean, <laughs> what's their right. motivation? Is it that, you know, they all got bored with just doing a, yeah. a front end? I'm not sure what Meta's, Meta's interest in this is. Because Meta doesn't actually SSR that much, as far as I know. I have no idea. I mean, I haven't been on Meta, I haven't been on Facebook in 10 years, but I don't remember them ever really SSRing all that much. Um, like every, every everybody's page is individual is is individualized and, and uh, personalized. So completely, yeah. So so there is a big question about you know why is the React core team doing the things that they're doing? You know why are they now working on a compiler? Uh, that I kind of understand. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I you know, have you actually seen it or played with anything? No, no, I not. I did not seen React forget. No, no, no. I, I mean, has anybody outside of Meta? Really? I have no idea. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm some heavy really headers. really wary of this. In a lot of ways, I'm mm. more wary of it than I am of of React server components. Uh, Definitely. I mean, if you don't write your components the React way, and I've, I've definitely seen folks who do not, like they're, woo, you know, they're working around the VDOM because they think that like the VDOM is wildly expensive and blah, 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 blah. So they're doing everything manually. That's not going to work. I'm, I'm, yeah, you got to follow, basically, you got to write React as re- idiomatic React and then it will probably work. But I, it's interesting, like every other framework like Solid as a compiler, yeah, as a compiler, but Solid, Angular yeah, as a but compiler, that's exactly the, Quick as a compiler. That's not exactly the same. Um, if if we're looking at Solid, Solid is just compiling the JSX. It's not really compiling the the JavaScript itself. So so from my understanding, uh, this, yeah, I mean they all do portions of it. Uh, right? you know, I, still... I do. I, I, first of all, I have no idea what what React Forget is going to look like. So it's difficult for me to comment on it. Um, and and uh, I'm very ambivalent about what Svelte is doing, uh, you know, because on, I, I like to say that... You didn't like the Rich Harris talk? I like to say that if we could have sent Rich back in time to 95 when Brendan Eich was creating JavaScript in the DOM and Rich would have, like, convinced him to do Svelte instead, that might have been awesome, but but that's not what happened. And now, effectively, Svelte looks like JavaScript and HTML and CSS, but is actually something totally different. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of an issue for me. Something that looks like something, but is actually something really different. Like the the let keyword in in Svelte. And the let keyword in JavaScript means something oh, yeah, totally he, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, right. He's basically overloading let for for props. And let is reactive <sighs> in Svelte. Yeah. Import yeah, you get the dollar in, colon. Import are for passing yeah. parameters into into components. It's like you know, it's 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 hmm. a different programming language that kind of masquerades as as JavaScript, and and. It's a nice programming language, but but I don't know. It's, it's, I, 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 but, but it is weird. It is weird to think that like React is now the only kind of pure JavaScript framework, right? I mean, it's the only one that doesn't require a compiler, other than JSX. 
which is fine. I mean, you know, we've had no. I think that it is literally AJ AJ is shaking his head. Uh, Okay, that a transpiler is a compiler. But everybody, okay, fine. But everybody is JSX. There's no, there is no native JSX, right? It has to be transpiled. Well, that's that, the that's same with almost it. everything in the JavaScript ecosystem. Even what people call JavaScript isn't actually. You could JavaScript. have used. It isn't actually, and the standard isn't actually right. implemented in a browser. You could have used template Fair, strings, but it's by not the way. writing significant. You could have used. Code you could have used you. template expressions, by the way, instead of JSX. But nobody does. Yeah, sure. that well, that didn't exist yet. Yeah, but you can do like, I mean, you can change the pragma of JSX and make it call whatever function you want. And all it, it's only like, it's a very, very, very thin transpiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, the, uh, but then, it's uh, not as big as like solid. Uh, yeah, as the, but like, again, or, or quick. My no, God, quick, quick does a lot. Quick is a totally compiling. different story, but solid, yeah. especially if you forget about the blink stuff, uh, is actually not that different from what React is doing. The problem with Solid is that Solid is doing to React kind of what Svelte is doing to JavaScript. Uh, That it looks like React, but it really isn't. So it's kind of subverting the expectations of React developers. But if you don't have those expectations, then I don't see Solid as being that much, quote-unquote, worse than React. Uh, the 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 solid compiler at the end of the day, and it doesn't really do that much, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I don't know. If you attach a prop, if you attach a a, a value, a signal to a property or or an element or a, an attribute on a tag, right? It's actually going to go and literally write the DOM code to like hit that and change it when the signal changes. Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's. It's writing code, right? As opposed to JSX, which is basically just, hey, whatever your function is, React. Yeah, create but then wrap it in a React create element and, then, and what's not. There you go. And that's it. That's all it's doing. It's you know, everything else is pretty much just JavaScript. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We yeah. can lament This has been fun. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. We live we, we live lunch. we live in interesting times, that's for sure. We do. We do, we do. Like we could talk for hours. Yeah. Us. So one one last question before we go. What's your next video? Uh actually, it's kind of interesting. Um, I was I've been getting a lot of pushback about uh, memory management mm-hmm. and people not liking the uh, you know, having a really negative reaction to the spread operator and and that it's, it's this memory hogging beast and all this sort of stuff and. Uh, it was going to be interesting. I'm going to try and and basically saying, well, what, what we really wanted React to do, as opposed to being the functional thing, was to instead be uh, mutable data structures, like just straight up, like give me the object, allow me to do the array, allow me to do push, and I'll send you back the array or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> right, um, and to basically show if it would be a performance disaster. For us to do that, did you see though that kerfuffle around uh, the preact signals in React? Oh yeah, did, I don't know what the kerfuffle was. The kerfuffle was that uh, React changed. Well, it turns out that they were monkey patching stuff inside of React in order to get the um, uh, the uh, fine grained reactivity to work. 
and then React updated their version or something, and that broke. So people started Wait. report. Oh, right, because there's a Preact signals for React. Exactly. Right, exactly. So yeah, that yeah. thing, no, because Preact signals for Preact is fine. It's created by the Preact right. core they, team. They, they control yeah, everything. But right, exactly. the Preact signals for React monkey patch stuff inside of React. And then React upgraded. They changed something and the monkey patching failed. And people started opening uh, bugs in the React uh, re- re- repository about them, you know, breaking Preact signals in React. And that really upset some React core team members to the point that Dan Abramov basically came out and said, you know, this is bad. You should not be using this library. You know, this is a terrible thing to do and don't use it. Something I don't I don't disagree. I think when I did, when I covered it, I was like, this is not, I would not use this. I mean, it's cool. It's very interesting. But at the point where you have to start putting in progmas and, and you know, that sort of stuff, and I uh, know, I, I was, because I, I knew what they were doing. They were just basically getting a ref on whatever the component, uh, whatever the element was, and then just bang, 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 doing updates. And you're, you're clearly breaking the VDOM model with it. Clearly. Yeah. So, because the VDOM is, is out yeah, of sync with what's point, actually in the DOM. And, and that's the whole not point of React is the VDOM. So, so. Right. So why, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was fun. It's kind of an interesting hack. But I wouldn't put that in production. You kidding yeah. me? Out of your mind? Yeah. So, so I, going back to your point, I'm kind of surprised that people are concerned about memory. I mean, why? Well, that's the funny, and that's another thing is like when you think about a React component, they're all they're getting all bent out of shape about you know one little spread, and it's like, do you not understand that like anytime you make you know a JSX element, right? That's that's calling React.create element, which is allocating memory, and then all it's 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 taking who, all the props and creating cares? an object, and that's allocating memory. Oh, I know. I, yeah, well, what happened, actually, here, here's what, why they care. So what happened was some guy came out with an article that said, I spit up TanSec a thousand times. TanSec Oh, yeah, I saw that article. A thousand times by removing the... The spread. Yeah, you know, and it was the spread. But, and it was but, it was the classic spread issue, which was like you, yeah, you were inside were of a reduce from, from, and you were using yeah, a spread were, inside of reduce and it was dumb. They were going from O of N to the third or something like that to right. O of N or something like that. And... and yeah, but the problem was not the memory allocation. The problem was the uh, the render the the rendering of the VDOM, the the act of 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 the co- the computation. It's that the cost of the computation was O of n squared or O of n to the third rather than O of n. I mean, you. I'll, I'll, I thought it was as, as simple as they were going through a big old loop. I know it was right? a loop. And in a every loop. time they were creating, it was a loop in a loop, but but they were. They were creating a new object yeah, but the, each but time. But the cost was that, not that the memory was... allocation. The cost was copying the values from one to the. The cost was the fact yeah. that the algorithm was O of n to the squared rather than O of n. The problem was not that you were allocating more memory, uh, unless you're writing the next Facebook client, which needs to run for twelve hours straight. Or you're running yeah. a node server that uh, that needs to service a lot of requests. You should, in most cases, care less about memory consumption in JavaScript. Yeah, 
I, I, I buy that. And I think I, also, I, I think we need to do away with map and filter and especially reduce. If nothing else, we need to just get rid of reduce and we need to get rid of for each. We need to go back to I? four. They're, they're going the total opposite direction. Not, not, they're going. They're adding I. which? They're adding two spliced. They're adding two sorted. No, they're going. I, I, they're, are you serious? They're pushing Jim? hard but in the they, opposite I, I was, direction. I am dead serious because it's too. It, I have never seen someone use reduce correctly. I have. I have never in the wild. In the wild, in actual code that I people can write understand. that aren't that aren't the brainiacs at Facebook. I have never in the wild seen someone well, use reduce correctly. But there, there are two problems here, though. First of all, uh, you you said reduce, which I can accept, but you also said map and filter, uh, which see, which is more problematic for me because they're fairly straightforward. Uh, map yeah, is map A into I, B, I, and filter is filter. I see people do it. I, I I see people do it wrong too because they'll do a they'll do mapping inside they'll do filtering inside of a map or what it. Just so people, if people don't know do, how to code, then they don't know how to code. But uh, but well, Go Go for example doesn't have those. Go just has Go just has the for loop. It doesn't have a while loop. It doesn't have look, a loop. It doesn't. The, and, and the second problem is that, uh, and and we really need to start wrapping up with this. Uh, I, know, uh, I know, I know, I know. But this is so good. The the, the problem <clears throat> is that React. Incur- it's like React encourages uh, ternary uh, over ifs. Oh, be- yeah. Be- yes, it because, does. Be- yes, it does. And that, because JSX it. is an expression. So, so you yeah. basically, you, you return a JSX, you need to construct a JSX, and the entire JSX thing is an expression. And in JavaScript, unlike other programming languages, statements are not expressions. So, right. so you, yeah. unless we get the do expression, which I always hated as as an addition to the uh, uh, ECMAScript, but now I think is kind of needed for React, so it probably needs to happen now. So I've gone from opposing it to supporting it. Uh, I think do and for would be great expressions. Uh, are you familiar with the do expression uh, proposal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw it. I think it's great. What, what the letter L is a do expression? Do expression? So yeah, do- go for it. Okay. Well, so basically, you know, you have you get a loop where the primitive is the output. No, it's not. It doesn't need to be a loop. Uh, do expression is x equals do. It, it's not. A, it's not okay, about a loop. I'm thinking about a different proposal. Then I, there's a there was a loop. No, so out, loop, a loop expression. No, so that's something. Yeah, that's uh, something else. Okay, that, do, that's a so do one. expressions okay. are basically you do like x equals do, and for, and then you write your code but your code behaves as an expression so you can write you can write ifs and the and you don't need the returns sure. it's it's like a sort of an iffy it's like you're assigning an if. Isn't this isn't this what we have at Wasm for? So that you can run Rust in the browser and then <laughs> and then and not have to yeah, make JavaScript every I, freaking I, language I that has ever existed I, since nineteen fifty five. I agree. I really hated do expressions because they change the semantics of the language. The semantic. I, I love the idea. Nothing anybody uses do. Just, but we, 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 that, we, that ship has sailed. Nobody that did ship do, sailed do why. No, I'm years not talking, ago. That's what I'm saying. It's not do why. It's yeah. a do expression. It has nothing to do with a while. 
Uh, they just they yeah, overloaded they... the word do for it. But but do. but yeah. the, I disliked it because it changes semantics of the language. Because it turns inside yeah. the do expression, statements became expressions. So, right, yeah, your final statement is not just is the, the final. Return, right, you it's can, an implicit yeah, exactly. return. Uh, and you can do ifs and and stuff. So you can write ifs instead of ternaries, and 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 if each if case is just the value. But but right. the thing is, is that if, if they're doing this for React, it's only going to end poorly because because ternaries it, putting putting a bunch of expressions in line with each other and just, and do expressions would have fixed it. Uh, but I'm just yeah. But you no, know, look at the end of the day. I, on the one hand, I agree with you, AJ. On the other hand, you do need to look at how the majority of people are using a particular language, and 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 you know they're using it wrong. The majority <laughs> of people have no idea what they're doing. The majority of people are just following whatever the super nerds tell them, and they're like, "Well, if I do what the super nerd tells me, then I'm going to be cool. Okay, I'm going to be cool. I, I can put it on my resume." Yeah, anyway, the, the majority of people that. have no idea how to. Anyway, program. I think it's done, and and I'm not upset with the majority it's of stuck, people it's on that. It's been stuck at stage two for something like a decade, so I don't know where it's going. But yeah, but uh, but all all I'm all I'm all I'm trying to say is I forget what I was trying to say, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, uh, where were we? So JSX is this like this big expression, and 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 yeah, um, and I forget where we were. So maybe it's time for us to wrap up. Oh yeah, we were talking about what your next video was going to be about. Yeah, it's about this about oh, the memory um, management. Uh, the yeah, me- yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, right, look, right. I, I can and why are you doing? Basically, teaching kind of. Coming at it from the other angle, everybody's saying, hey, it's a pain in the butt to deal with references. I don't like them. I just want to mutate stuff in place. And basically coming at it from the angle of, if we did it, just, if we did it that way, it would be horribly inefficient. But the whole point yeah, about blow, React, blow the whole point about React is immutability. And, and, and that's it. Uh, and if yeah. you're going to be mutating, then you might as well not use React. Uh, and if you don't understand how immutability works, that means that you're using React without fully understanding it. So it, maybe it's time you learn, yep. you watch some more of your videos and learn React more. Yep. All, all this stuff is just too complicated. We need to go back to basic. Just QBasic. You, you know go. how long, you know, you know, you know get rid of the web, throw the phone in the you toilet. You know how long it took me to shake go-tos? <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Okay. I, I was I was happy to get out of go tos. I'm was, guessing when about I, when I went to see, I was like, "Whoop, no more go tos." I'm guessing about ten seconds because you realized the benefit. No, I, I realized I realized the benefits, but the, it took me a long time to properly. It, it got me into some bad habits about properly structuring code and not and yeah. not diving into coding before I got a good mental grasp of what I was trying to achieve. At the beginning, I was very much like a savant type of a programmer where just throw me at the problem and I'll start hacking away at it. Sounds like me. I don't know about savant, but that's how I like to do it. This is the unfair advantage of React. React gets to completely change everything about what they're doing every two years and pretend like it's still the same framework. Like they just, they just kludge more stuff on, yeah. make it more complicated. You're not and, wrong. And, 
And if it takes, if it takes the experts, if it takes the people who've got a freaking IQ of 165, three years to figure out, oh, this was a bad idea. I should have never done it. Think about the people that just have, you know, an IQ of 100. They're having to learn this stuff. They're some somehow supposed to become proficient and it's changing every, every six months. There's a new blog article. Oh, we're completely revamping everything. Oh, wait, no, we're not. But, oh, and then they release it and then, and then they roll it back. It's just, this is, I'm sorry. I'm just so emotionally compromised. This is maddening. This is absolute. How is any work in the world ever supposed to get done? Can we not just go back to being stupid about the way we do things in a way that just works yeah. instead of just always being so much more brainy? And so, so much, as, just, as a yeah. final as a final statement before before we go into the picks, uh, I, there, I just read an article somewhere that this scientist, this AI scientist, looked at the source code for chat GPT or something like that and basically said, I don't understand how this works. It's a miracle that it even works. Wow. Okay. He didn't know how to read Excel macros? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks everybody for coming on. And it's it's been great having you all. Uh, we do a section at the end called Picks. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. So I just want to go ahead and uh, move us through that real quick. Jack, do you have anything? Yeah, I, I was listening to Wool, which is the book behind the, the show Silo. And that is excellent. And it seems to be a really good series. So I'm, I'm now in the second book also just listening to it. And it's, it's been fascinating. It's just a really a new author, I guess, Hugh Huey or something like that. And uh, just really great stuff. So enjoying that a lot. All right. Um, Dan? Okay. So uh, I think I mentioned that in a couple of past episodes, but I'll mention it again. I'll I'll uh, shout out myself. I'm doing quite a number of uh, conferences this year. This is going to be my record year, I think, in terms of conf- number of conferences that I'm actually speaking at. Woo. So, yeah. So I, I, uh, I spoke at uh, IJS in London. Uh, I'm speaking virtually at uh, JS Nation, the conference that you're going to, Jack. Uh, I have uh, a talk about um, comparing uh, the uh, performance of different uh, frameworks, which framework is more Mm. likely to produce fast-running, fast-loading websites. It's more a question of probabilities than anything else. How How likely you are to produce a fast website using particular framework versus a different one. Um, And I'm uh, actually giving that talk again at uh, almost the same time, but live at the conference called J Nation in Portugal. The big difference, by the way, it's funny. Mm. Like you give the same talk three times, but in one conference, it's 30 minutes. In another conference, it's 20 minutes. And then in the third conference, it's 50 minutes. So it actually becomes like a totally different talk uh, in each one of them. Like the, the like the kernel is the same, but you know it, it becomes you know when, question get asked all that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you need to speak twice as as long about something, you're going to say more stuff. Obviously, yeah. Uh, I'm also going to be speaking at uh, at the React Next conference in Israel. It's a really big conference, by the way. It's a conference that you should uh, attend sometime. 
Jack. Uh, it's a conference just, well, not just about React, but it's around React, obviously, being called React Next. And there are some thousand front-end developers in attendance. So it's a really Ooh. big conference. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah, so the Israeli community for front-end is pretty big. Um, so I'll be speaking there about overcome about how different frameworks overcome the cost of hydration, which I've also spoken about on one of our past episodes. And then I'll be speaking about this topic again for a different duration again. Uh, in uh, I just been accepted to speak at uh, uh, what's it called uh, Front Conference Zurich in Switzerland in uh in uh, the at the end of august beginning of september so this year is going to be like i said like something like five or six conferences this year which no kidding man which is and, a and next insurance me. is totally cool with this they're like yeah man <laughs> yeah they're, they're their smile is becoming ever more forced with uh, every <laughs> additional conference that i mention uh yeah yeah well look First of all, they are, I, I have to give them uh, props that they are uh, uh, fairly forthcoming and even encourage me as a representative of our, um, you know, R&D. Uh, also, mm -hmm. some of the, con like, for example, React Next, like I mentioned, is actually in Israel and Next Insurance is actually one of the sponsors of the conference. So uh, that's, you know, that definitely makes things easier. Um yeah. So so yeah, I I help build our brand as a, as a technological oriented organization, forward thinking, etc. Um, yeah, we at, we do actually sponsor several conferences at Next Insurance, but but in Israel primarily. I, I'm not aware of any conference that we actually sponsor outside of Israel, uh, at least not in in the tech part. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm enjoying that a lot. And okay. uh, one more, and you know, if I'm doing picks, I'll also pick a book. It's been a while since I picked a book. Um, it's it's the series of books that I'm reading, which are fantasy books, uh, are not amazing, but are actually you know quite enjoyable. Uh, I, I'm I'm you know enjoying it's easy reading, you know, like kind of like easy listening only reading. Uh, it's called Reading. it's called the Demon Cycle series. It's by Peter hmm. V. Brett. Uh, it's high fantasy. If you're familiar with the term, it's man against demon using magic, and uh, it's kind of a it's a different scenario than you know most other books. Now, like I said, it's not an amazing series, but if you're looking for something you know engaging, it's definitely that. So those would be my picks. Very cool. Cool. And then as you were mentioning hydration earlier, I also have a hydration pick. So I don't believe in health foods. They're they're all, you know, bogus. But yeah, there's this show for super beats. Uh I kind of, yeah. I I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> oh, going to show oh, for okay. super beats, but not super beats. All right. I'm I'm going to show for LMNT element. It's it's salt powder. It's flavored salt powder, but it's it's good in an interesting way. <laughs> so, and if and if you if you mix the orange salt with the orange crystal light caffeinated, it's particularly interesting. Um, so it's it's just something to to, to try. There are 
they're ridiculously expensive. I, I've got a buddy <laughs> who ordered them when they were, you know, first starting out or had a big Black Friday sale or something and got them all half off. It's like a dollar a packet. Which, oh, Lord. But if you think about it, you know, soda or whatever is going to be 50 cents a can. So and, and these are good for 24 to 32 ounces, depending on how strong you like the flavor. So it's like, you know, not that at anyway, but you got to buy a bunch of them to get it at a dollar a packet. So anyway, that, but there's, there's a, there's a 14 or a $14 trial pack of only eight. So now they're like a dollar 50 each, but it lets you try every flavor. So if you, if you wanted to, it's, it's kind of, it's just interesting. It's interesting. And it's, it's an alternative. If you, if you have the pathology that you must have flavored drinks, Mm. Ah, you drink mm. it. Maybe you don't this snort is it? not as yeah. My wife does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there are definitely people who just don't like the taste of water. Not that water has a taste implicitly. I get the lack of taste is a thing. Well, and if you're in Oregon, it's different than if you're in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Yeah, right. My daughter hates California water. Loves Oregon water for some. Everybody reason. loves Oregon water. Because it, it's got, it, it's like water the way that God intended. Literally, <laughs> the water flows from the mountain. It flows down through the rocks and it collects all of the, I, I think magnesium is one of the things that gives water Ooh. its flavor because all the purifiers add magnesium to the water and that's supposed to make it taste better. But, uh, you know, the good Lord did not intend for us to drink toxins. He didn't intend <laughs> for us to drink chlorine and fluoride. That wasn't in his, in his master plan of like, here's how to, how to enjoy the earth, folks. Um, so. Uh, you know, not not that I'm permissed to speak on behalf of the Almighty, but I I just I just have a hunch, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the other thing that I'll pick is Microtic. If you like the CLI, I mean, they have a, a UI, and everybody raves about their their Winbox UI. Their UI is so basic, but Microtic the router. It's a router or switches, hmm. um, and you can do VLANs, which is a little bit, it's like, it's such a simple concept once you understand it, but it's difficult to explain and understand it first, but basically allow you to have, so now I have it so that all of my, well, I actually did this with the Unify, but then I extended it with the Microtik, but I have in, in my house for everything that's either plugged in or wireless, there's segmented networks. So the Anything that I don't personally control, like I'm not, you know, any set top device or IoT Alexa device or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah it, it, well, I don't even have those oh, because okay. they're, but yes, the yeah. things that are like that are on one network. Hmm. And then the things that are, that I use for work are on another network. And then the stuff that the rest of the family uses are on another network. So like my wife's phone and, uh, you know, so. So there's three networks and the, the Microtik allows you to do stuff like that and so much more. And so, so does the, the Unify from, from Ubiquity. But anyway, um, their command line interface is what I'm raving about because they're, they're more Unix than Unix. Oh, I, wow. I've never seen a command line that is so amazing. Everything is a file and or a folder. I mean, it can also be a folder. So... It's. I think they basically have a custom shell, mm. and and everything that you can do with it, you can SSH in, and then you get dropped in this custom shell, 
And all of the subcommands that you have are so a command is a folder. And if you run the command, it runs. But if you run the command and then what's inside of its its folder, which is weird that something could be both a file and a folder, but it's this shell abstraction thing, then when you tab, it shows you all of the subcommands. And then when you when you select a subcommand and put a space and you tab again, then it will show you all of basically the flags. Hmm. And then if you select a flag, then it will you know autocomplete to the equal sign. And then if you tab again, it will give you all of the options like the ports or the VLANs or whatever it is that's available that's allowed to be put after that thing. So it is it is the most autocomplete, most user discoverable thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I, I thought that fish was the best shell in the world. Mikrotik has the best shell in the world. I, I don't hmm. know that you could replicate it in a Linux system because they like you can't have something that's both a file and a folder in a Linux system. That type of abstraction doesn't uh, avail itself to to existing. But you could see somebody writing a completions file, kind of like the way they do for Fish. Yeah, and then have it so that the completions file allows something to pr- pr- be presented that way. And that's that's kind of what they do. They've got some weird custom shell. It's it's probably like a busy box type thing where all the commands are actually in one single file. I, I don't know how they implement it, but it's just it's just amazing. It's super discoverable. It's super easy to use, super easy to get right. Oh, well, I'm saying if you want to make shell stuff, then then do their thing. Like whatever that is. That's what I'm saying. Sounds if like you want to make shell do yes. I think anybody who's gonna make a command line yeah. tool. Should should experiment with Mikrotik. The problem being that you have to learn a yeah, little bit of networking to ex- <laughs> right. well, you gotta and you gotta learn the networking to experiment with it because if yeah, you don't know true. any of what it does, then you know the le- just yeah, it's you, you have to understand some aspect of the networking to be able to understand how fluid this thing is. But yeah. yes, I, I wish that everybody could have this experience and and have that in their mind next time they. They do a CLI. Uh, this is this is this is the future that we need. No, the future that Got we're it. gonna get is Chat GPT as a CLI. Uh, I don't know if that's gonna help us. Basically, you inst- anyway, what are you gonna say, Dan? Is that what you're gonna say? Yeah. Basically, instead of, of telling Chat GPT, uh, you know, give me a shell script that does X, you're gonna have something like a Chat GPT CLI and you just tell it do X. And it will figure out what it needs to do in order to achieve X. That's what I'm guessing. I think that's going to be the case for all UI. Uh, honestly, I, I think the, you know, the future of UI is that you're going to have basically headless applications that know how to vend data up to an, a, a UI system where I can basically just say, oh, this is my bank. I, I want uh, a new custom panel on here that, and then you just type it out. Like, I want. Show me my spending on Magic the Gathering cars over the past six months, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And it was just bang, there's a graph. And like, you know, that, yeah, that's well, your for the longest time I used to say, software going forward. for the longest time, I used to say that uh, Google has the best user interface. You just say what you want in, you know, in English and more or less, and you get the result. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and chat, I mean, the and search chat, interface. And chat GPT, right, yeah. and chat GPT just takes it in a couple of steps forward uh now obviously you're you're right. on the risk that every like 
10 times you interconnect a command, it does something totally different, like you erase your hard drive or whatever, or, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, or lie to you. Or lie to you. Yeah. Yeah. Just make stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. That fine. sounds like living yeah. one here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, seems the logical place to go. Why do I need to remember all the complicated Git commands instead of just telling it, you know, what I wanted to achieve? Yeah. If you're on OSX, you can use fig, you can use warp. Uh, they all, they both have basically AI interfaces where you can just type in, I need a command that, you know, runs across all But I don't want to, I need a command. I want to basically say and, just and it, and it do X. Why, why do, you know, I don't need you to teach me how to do X. Just do it. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Hmm. Fair. I don't know. That's, that scares me. That's, that's, which I, one? I, I can't see the command line going that way entirely because people that use the command line are using it because they want things to be fast and exact. Mm. You, you want something to be reproducible. That that's the beauty of the command line is I don't have to go figure it out every single time. I figure it out once, and then anytime I need I to do it again, I just run that command or that alias or that script. I never remember the git command to push a new branch. <laughs> GGP. Uh, you should not have to do that if you're running a recent version. I know, of I know. That's the I know. Okay, fair but, enough. But I mean, I also use, I, I use ZSH and they're really good. Uh, is a really good Git plugin for ZSH. Comes out of the box. You're stuck in the 80s. You need to get up what? with the 90s. Man. Oh, what, what, what's 90s then? What, what, fish. Oh, oh, okay. Have okay. you used fish? I have not used it. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, man. Use fish once. It's one of those things that's kind of hard to okay. describe. Use it, use it, use it for five minutes, and you'll never use ZSH again. One, because you don't have to do any config. There is no, well, I think somebody did create an oh my fish. I don't know what the purpose of it is though, but fish is oh my ZSH already. Okay. Like fish is yeah. ever all the options you want are just turned on by default. It's all just right. it just does the thing. The one downside is you don't run bash and fish. Fish is not a bash interpreter. Oh, so you can run your bash scripts. You can type bash and then the script. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't copy and paste bash loops, for example. You know, you can't you can't go find something on Stack Overflow and then copy and paste it and have it. Yeah, that's OK. Do the I thing. mean, I, I, when I'm raising scripts, I shebang bash at the top. Yeah, then you're it. then you're good because yeah. fish is exclusively from my perspective. It is exclusively for interactive shell i would i would never use it for scripting to be honest like the, the reason i didn't touch fish was the dumbest reason ever which is i don't actually like the band fish <laughs> p-h-i-s-h that's, that's an interesting i mean I, I'll, I'll be honest i know it sounds incredibly stupid but like i, I you know it's like shells to me are like kind of like ah, eh, you know it works it works it works it works you know but like and zsh was like oh wow that's like my regular bash, or TCSH or something like that, but better. And are, and are I, you on back too? Yeah. Okay. So check out webinstall.dev, look for fish and look for iTerm too. And there's some cheat sheets there that you might find useful. Web anyway, I use uh, brew. So can I just brew install fish? I wouldn't recommend using brew oh, okay. unless you install brew with Webby. Because if you install brew with Webby, it won't it won't conflict with your system files like when you install brew normally. Uses the same brew installer, but passes the options that are in the the uh, the secret menu that nobody knows about. That it, it makes the installs take longer because it has to compile more things from source so that it uses 
your home path rather than using system paths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then you never get a you never get that problem where brew updates libssl and then curl breaks. Uh, if you're yeah. familiar with that problem, I haven't seen that in a while, but I've definitely seen that. Yeah, and then the other one with SSL. Anyway, everybody, thanks for joining in. It's been great to have you. And it's been great to be here. Catch you. Thank you, Thank you for hosting, AJ. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah.